0: Hello and welcome to Walking the Earth Podcast, the podcast about the travel lifestyle. I'm Justin Castle calling in this week from New York City, New York.
1: And I'm Mike Margulies. I'm calling in today from Los Angeles, California. And calling in from Berlin, Germany, we have Kristen Addis. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Welcome.
2: Thanks, guys. Nice for having me.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Kristen uh, Kristen has a website, BeMyTravelMuse.com. Uh, which is your kind of uh, personal blog, you're living out in Berlin now. I guess you're kind of, um, I guess, a year ahead of me on this whole thing, right? You have a similar backstory. it sounds like, um, where you, in September of 2012, you you quit your job in the States. Um, You were doing investment banking, and you kind of quit that job to go traveling around. Um, And, yeah, also went to, like me, went to Burning Man to launch (laughs) off the trip, Uh, and now you found yourself abroad and in berlin at this moment that's right awesome awesome and so i'm sure you have plenty of travel stories and awesome things to share Um, but you've been in asia most of the time and now you're in europe is that right
2: yeah um throughout my life i would say i've spent a cumulative three years in asia but since um September of 2012, when I started traveling, really the bulk of it has been spent between um, Southeast Asia and then a bit in China, the Maldives, Sri Lanka, and Nepal.
0: Awesome. Nice. Well, nice. Which out of which out of those uh, the places that you've been has been the most inspirational for you?
2: I knew you were gonna ask that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why? Is,
0: wait, if everybody's asked that, I don't want to ask that question anymore. Have you been asked that question?
2: Well, most people will say. What's your favorite place? Um, and right. that's just so hard to answer. But I guess you worded it they're differently all when in different you said ways. inspirational. And I don't perhaps know. For me, that would be China.
0: Cool. Oh, cool. Because okay. I've seen some of your pictures on your site, and they're they're pretty awesome photos of of you all over the world. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and you, so you you basically hitchhiked solo across China. Uh, so that's awesome. I, I can't I can't even fathom what that's like. I you know i've I've never gone hitchhiking period, much less going hitchhiking across china like what what do you come across when you're doing that like I don't even know you just
2: we, yeah, I could not have if if you had asked me what I expected, it certainly wasn't what ended up happening. I mean, I always <laughs> thought hitchhiking was probably foolish, a bit dangerous, something that you do <laughs> if you're just like a greasy backpacker and you haven't. <laughs> Shaved your beard in in months. I mean, luckily for me, I don't have to worry about the beard situation. But, <laughs> Sounds like Mike. Um, Sounds like
0: Mikey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but
2: you know, the first time I did it, I was not alone. I was with another girl who is Chinese, and she just okay. loved it. She was like, "Do you want to try?" And she was so enthusiastic that I just couldn't say no because she had no fear. She said she did it all the time, even by herself, and huh. I was just like, "Really." And, um, so the first time I did it with her, um, and you know, you would think that it would be really nerve wracking, but it just wasn't because people weren't creepy. They weren't, you know, they they were just having a conversation with us. And I I still can't understand really the motivation for picking someone up and giving them a ride, but we hardly ever waited very long to get a ride. And so I hitchhiked with her the first few times, but then, as you do, you end up parting ways because you have different plans, and I just kind of thought, well, why don't I try doing it on my own? I mean, it's right. it's been easy enough so far. And so when I started doing it on my own, that's kind of when the real adventure started.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, was there a language barrier?
2: Well, I speak Chinese, so I, oh, okay. I, did, I did have that on my side. That and, helps. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not fluent. It, it does help. I mean, if you can't speak any chances are low that you're going to be able to make it happen. But I have another friend who's done it. And, um, I mean, it's definitely possible when people pull over, they have no idea if you can speak to them or not. Right. So, um, but for the most part, yeah. people in, in the parts of China that I was in don't really speak any English. So it was necessary to be able to speak a bit with them. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. What?
1: And I, I'm about to go from, um, uh, you know, on my trips through the States now, I'm trying to make a my way from L.A. here to San Francisco next. And I thought about hitchhiking, actually. But although every, people here are saying, like, no, that's a bad idea. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a different thing. I, For me, you know, when I was abroad, I hitchhiked a couple times. I, You know, people would do it out in Asia, and it's sort of just, people are nice. I guess there's more... I don't know if it's warranted or not, but for whatever it's worth, people seem to be more suspicious of it um, around here, like, you know, worried something might happen to you, someone has ulterior motives. Right. Um, did you feel, like, pretty safe, though, doing it in China? I've, I felt pretty good about it when I was in, you know, Southeast Asia, at least.
2: I really always did, and there's certain parts of the world where it's expected in common, such as New Zealand, and then, um, you know, some parts of Europe as well, more in, like, Scandinavia area, um, people do it all the time, so... I think it just depends. I mean, I have a friend who hitchhiked all the way across Canada and I have another friend who hitchhiked all the way across the US. So oh, that so wow. can be done here too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I do think you'll wait longer for the rides though. The longest I ever waited was 30 minutes to get picked up, yeah. wow, which was pretty insane. that's
0: so short. I'm basically short.
1: like I'm basically like in your hometown now. So, um, I don't know, do you have any tips? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, You know, as far as you just, you can go on a website called HitchWiki and they can kind of tell you what the best thing to do for your particular region is. Like, for example, in China, there are some toll booths where you um, pay to get on the freeways. And so the best thing to do is stand right behind the toll booth because everyone slows down first and they have a chance to see you. So, you know, any major on ramps. Um I, I mean I would just do the research in, on there and right. see what has worked for other people. Yeah. It's it's Hitch Wiki. HitchWiki. HitchWiki, I believe.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Perfect. We'll definitely put put a link up to that.
2: I mean of course there's a website for that, right? There's a website for <laughs> everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. I you I know, should have uh known but could Google it and find it. I you know it didn't even cross my mind that there would be a, a resource like that. So yeah, maybe I'll have to check that out before I go ahead and book a bus or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm,
0: I I imagine the, that when you're going across China, did you did you go across you know laterally, vertically, or just different? Just chose a pathway and just bounced around.
2: I mean, China is so it's massive, freaking huge. So, <laughs> yeah, mm. so I I actually only managed to get through two provinces. I am a slow sort of traveler. I really like to feel immersed, and so. I don't just hit kind of the major tourist spots. I really would prefer to get off the beaten path and see things that other people haven't seen and haven't written about yet.
0: Mm -hmm. So
2: that's why the hitchhiking in some cases was almost essential because that is how I was going to get to that place. Yeah,
1: because the buses are going to take you to like the big touristy cities that everyone knows about. Or so, yeah.
2: they're very, they're not very reliable timing-wise. The timetable that mm. you see even three months prior has probably already changed, and they take a long time. They're very slow. And so, I mean, you know, I could have, of course, done it by buses, but at some point it just turned into a sport. It was fun. Like, how far can I get?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. So I'm sure you get to see, like, some really, yeah, like off-the-beaten-path kind of things because you – given that you can like speak some of the language and you're traveling with locals, uh, I'm sure that's taken you down like a lot of places that normally you know, your average backpacker is not going to get to. Uh,
2: Absolutely. I mean, I, I got to see some traditional Tibetan dancing, and there were no other foreigners about. Just the guys that had picked us up uh, happened uh, to be returning home, and they lived right in the area next to Tibet, which was where we were about to go trekking. And so they just stopped over and asked if we wanted to see the dancing. And of course we said yes. And that was pretty cool. I mean, I don't That's I don't awesome. know if any other foreigners have seen that. So that was really nice. Was this in Tibet? No. At the time that I was in China, foreigners were not allowed in Tibet. But mm, you can okay. get to the Tibetan Autonomous Prefecture, which is right up against it, kind of on the other side. And from there, you can really see still a lot of the culture and um, you know, you, you've got the Tibetan language on all of the signs everywhere mm. and you're eating Tibetan food. Okay. Yeah. And so I get still a got a of taste of the culture. Yeah. I, I did literally, really literally get a taste of it. Go, <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tibet is still high on my list though. So I would love to see it.
0: Yeah. I'd...
1: Yeah. I'd love to also, I like the whole Himalayas uh, area, is something high on my list, Tibet, Nepal yeah. and like North. I went to India, but only kind of got to the the very beginning of the Himalayas in Rishikesh. I'd like to go see it more proper. Have you been out in the Himalayas at all?
2: Yeah, I trekked for two weeks in Nepal, and then I trekked for about the same amount of time in China, all in the Himalayas. Sweet. Is it as awesome as everyone says? Definitely. All right.
0: (laughs) And I I know online it says that um, you like to climb mountains. Did you climb any of those mountains while you were down there?
2: Proper rock, rock climbing, you mean?
0: Or, yeah, or hike. Um, are you a rock climber or are you just a hiker?
2: Uh, well, I'm happy to do both, but I'm not as experienced with rock climbing, although I do really enjoy it, and I'm starting to discover that it's it's something that I really like. Um, you know, it involves a lot of balance and kind of logic, I would say. And that's kind of a fun aspect to it. As far as um, mm-hmm. trekking, I mean, that's all a mental battle. Yeah. Of course, it's physical, but I really feel like it's mental more than anything. Yeah. And so those were more like the trek that I did in Nepal was over the course of two weeks. And it ended at just shy of 18,000 feet in elevation. Well, it didn't end, but that was our <laughs> pinnacle point.
0: Oh, sweet. Wait, so did you go, so it sounds like you went with a group, is that right?
2: No, uh, um, I went solo, but on the bus over there, I met a girl from Belgium, and we just hit it off, and we decided to start the trek together, and it turned out that we just had the same pace. We were really good at kind of motivating each other, and then we finished the Annapurna circuit in much less time than we had been told it would take, so we decided to tack on also the Annapurna base camp, cool to make it a total of two weeks but it couldn't have it couldn't have worked out better so no we did it independently without any guides or any porters but um it was cool because i did have a buddy to go the whole way even though we both started out solo
0: nice
1: yeah that's an awesome thing though about like that i really enjoyed about you know and i was kind of more hardcore backpacking is you know you're solo but on the bus ride or wherever you just you meet people that are yeah, similar absolutely and, it's so easy yeah. and
2: it's always scary like oh what if i don't meet anyone and then it, it never works out that it, way there's always someone yeah it
1: always like <laughs> works out somehow in the end it's like you know somehow things just come together <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: yeah certainly seem to
0: sweet
1: yeah and so nowadays you've found yourself um since you know, hitchhiking around China and and climbing the Mount, the Himalayas, you've now found yourself in Europe. And so that must be kind of a, was it a bit of a culture shock for you? I'm going through some culture shock myself coming back to the States.
2: I was, no, it's much harder for me to go back to the States. No, I was mm. so ready by the time that I got to Berlin to be here because I had spent two years almost completely on the move, never spending more than... Right. I I spent a a month back home in California and also a month in London, but otherwise, I mean, it would be an average of five days per place, and that just gets exhausting. Not only, I mean, it gets emotionally exhausting too, because you're constantly meeting amazing people and Mm -hmm. saying goodbye to them just as quickly. So by the time yep. I got to Berlin, I was incredibly ready for it and really relieved, actually.
0: Right. And
2: I, the European yeah. mentality is different than back home. P- people here do travel more, and so they're not that's looking true. at me like an alien like I sometimes <laughs> yeah. get
1: when I go home. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. And I relate to so many things that I've talked about before. You know, yeah, I had the same feeling where getting, you know, wanting more stability, and for me it was Chiang Mai. Uh, but yeah, coming home now, there is that sense of like, uh, kind of people look like you like an alien like why what? what you were gone for 15 months kind of thing <laughs> um it and it, it's it's true because you meet there are more i'd say europeans uh, germans especially that are backpackers you know you meet, i was meeting tons of germans when i was out there and so it was uh yeah i'm sure it's you're it's easy to integrate find other like-minded people out there
2: very much so cool.
1: yeah i've heard good things about berlin i've never been but i've heard it's like a really cool place is that oh, part of a contributing factor? Don't come here. Don't. Don't. So you don't like Berlin?
2: <laughs> oh, my friend, one of my really good friends here, and I joke about it. We're like, no, we need to start spreading the rumor that Berlin sucks. We <laughs> don't want anyone else coming here. <laughs> I was doing this thing with Chiang Mai. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we don't really want it to turn into the next Chiang Mai with all these bloggers and stuff. Because right, it's like, right. that's so not what this city is about. So. Uh. <laughs> So now I've just kind of resorted to saying, no, it's terrible. (laughs) Uh, And you can get, I guess,
1: selfishly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And you can, what's cool about Berlin, although it sounded like we talked a little bit about this before, but you were having trouble with this. I know you can get this freelance visa out there, but maybe it's, I don't know, it sounded like you were having difficulties though. It's not all it's cracked up to be. Is that right?
2: Well, like most visa situations, it's not straightforward, and it's easier said than done. I mean, there are really right. there are several kinds of visas you can get. One is an artist visa, uh-huh. and that one is huh. much quicker of a process. But I'm more of a writer journalist, so I don't have, you know, these. I don't have the art to point to, and so what I've applied for is more of a freelance visa, and the office that handles that takes anywhere from like four to seven months to approve it. And so in the meantime, you're kind of in this weird limbo where you've been given an extension on your tourist visa. Huh. But uh. it's hard to travel on it because other European nations are not going to recognize this as valid. And um, so until I can what, get that what visa... What do you mean by that?
1: You're, you're saying in Germany though, right?
2: I am, but, for example, if I wanted to leave the EU and come back in uh. and I landed in France, for example, they would probably not accept this document that I have. First of all, it's in German. I can't expect them to read and understand it <laughs> right. And, and second of all, what it allows me to do is be in Berlin, and so the trouble for me as a travel writer is, of course, that I travel around. So. Therein hmm. lies my difficulty. So you're kind
1: of stuck in Berlin until this goes through. Is that? Well, kind I've of heard a
2: conflicting things. That's the thing. No one can really give me a straight <laughs> answer.
1: So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like the Thai out. visas were like that. Also, we get like different information depending on where you are. And,
2: yeah, I really which... think it's just up to the, the guy that you know is at the right. border patrol.
0: I, I have a question. Um, I'm not really familiar with the European Union travel. Uh, laws and you know the the time frames and things like that so so are you, so can you can you kind of break down what it's like going and entering the European Union are there restrictions but be- I, I heard that there are restrictions for how long you can be in each country or in the whole European Union was like three months or something and then you have to reapply
2: well, we're all Americans, so for us, the regulations are, um, there's. it's called the Schengen Zone, and that's um, the EU countries, and you can look up which ones are members on, I mean, Wikipedia has a list, okay. and you can spend 90 out of every 180 days in the Schengen Zone, Um, So you get a total of six months here but they can't be consecutive and you can't just leave and come back in and expect it to restart. You do have to leave for those three months. What some people will do is go to England for that because they are not in the Schengen Zone and they have different regulations. For them it's the same thing. It's six months out of every year but those can be consecutive. So I guess what one could do is spend their three months in the Schengen zone and then leave either to England, or a non-Schengen country, perhaps in Eastern Europe, uh, okay, and then return after those three months, and then you can come back in. Now, what I have allows me to remain here. It's just an extension on that Schengen visa for me.
0: Okay. So. Okay, so uh, you, so you, and and what you're applying for right now is that the uh, journalist visa which lets you come stay there longer how much longer it's
2: a freelance visa you freelance can apply visa. for a year or two at a time and it's more like a residency that you're allowed and then you, you do end up paying taxes you must have health insurance which is not cheap and so there are definite considerations i mean a lot of people think oh berlin's cheap i can go live there not true anymore i mean it's going to cost you the same as any western country these days
0: gotcha okay oh, mm. i wasn't aware of that that's Pretty wild. What's so? What was the what was the other visa you mentioned? It was the um, artist visa. I have not heard of an artist. Yeah, visa I've heard before.
1: about that, but I don't know a lot about it. I'd be interested to hear more if you have intel on that.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I have a few friends who have it. Um, like for example, if you're a tattoo artist, what you can do is show, show a portfolio and an apprenticeship that you have, and then appointments that you have booked for the future dates. And I mean, really, what they're concerned with is you can prove that. You do have income coming in and you're not just going to end up falling on some kind of welfare system. I mean, that's what they really need is people bringing Mm. money in to Berlin, which is actually, I think, 60 billion euros in debt. Like Berlin's a broke city. They they need people who are not going to cost any money. So uh-huh. I think, I think the, the, maybe some of it is, um, you know, if you're an artist, you, you're pretty straightforward with what you've created. You have a portfolio that you can show. So all of my artist visa friends were able to get the visa the same day they applied. But all of the people who are writers, especially travel bloggers like me from the U.S., mm. have waited an average of four to seven months to get approval. And they've kind of just been in the same boat as I have.
1: Got it. And so what's the uh, dis- difference between which one you would apply for? Is it just the field that you're in that uh, distinguishes well, whether you're an, an artist. artist or freelance?
2: I'm not a painter. I'm not a musician. I'm not a tattoo okay. artist. What um, if I'm you're a
1: hypothetically um, a podcast host?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid. Well, the thing is you have to have contracts that demonstrate that you're making at least 800 euros per month.
1: Oh, okay. okay. So, so if you're making 800 euros a month, and that you have to have a, a certain amount of income, and then also there's like a... They distinguish between whether it's art or it's some kind of freelance gig.
2: Right. And see, for me, I'm mainly a freelance travel writer, so that's what I needed to demonstrate.
1: Gotcha. Okay interesting that's like a work of art though <laughs> um i agree so, yeah you know i think so <laughs> i would spend this this podcast as like art i'm an artist i built a, uh, work a podcast we're, we're i don't says. know if
2: they'd see it the same way but they, they don't say
1: it like that uh, <laughs> uh, so are you you're planning to it sounds like you're going to be out there though for some time since you're like waiting for this visa so you want to keep this as your base
2: no, now. I'm going to no, be okay. flying to South Africa on January right. 6th.
1: and that was on request from your readers.
2: Yeah, so I basically decided that, you know, if I'm playing the waiting game anyway, it doesn't really matter where I am while I'm waiting, um, the visa that I have allows me to be in Berlin, but, you know, it, I can also go anywhere else I please, so while i'm waiting i mean i mm. the way i see it you just can't ask me to stick around for a potential 7 months to figure out if this is going to happen or not
0: right so, <laughs>
2: while i'm waiting i might as well escape the winter because I'm from California and I do not know how <laughs> right. to deal with it.
1: Yeah, it's December and I, I'm i wearing like short sleeves outside here. It's amazing. I, I love the weather here in SoCal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's
2: the meanest thing you could have said to me. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Well, you know, uh, you're from an awesome place. You left a really awesome place behind. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah
2: pretty- and I know that and I'm so grateful that when it is time to go home that that is my home.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and it I is live a nice the, place to call home, I think. And right now,
0: it's <laughs> freaking cold in New York City right now.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, jeez. So cold. No, yeah, this is, a big,
1: this is a big difference between when I was visiting you in New York a few weeks ago, Castle, to now, it's, it's just like the polar opposite. You know, I was bundled up and all this stuff there, and now I'm like, oh, short sleeve shirts, warm weather. There's a beach, you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, rub it, in. rub it into me, too. There you go. Is Berlin
1: somewhere <laughs> in the middle between New York and L.A.? I I don't
2: know what the weather's like in New York right now, but we've had the first sunny couple days that I've seen in weeks here. Um, I joke that it's Gotham City because (laughs) basically it's dark all the time. The sun goes down at around 3.30. It's completely down by 4.00. And, um, yeah, it's just always dark. So if I kind of think of it as a Batman comic, it makes it pretty cool. (laughs) That's
1: what I would do too.
2: (laughs) It's a very nighttime city. I mean, it's very common to go out at two or 3 a.m. and come home at 10 a.m. So it's just kind of how you live life here and it's not, it's not strange or uncommon, but the flip side is in the summer. It doesn't get dark until around 11, and then it gets light again at 4 a.m., so it's just a pretty stark juxtaposition, huh. and I'm wow. seeing both sides of it now.
0: <laughs> oh, I see, I see. Oh, that's
1: cool. Yeah. Oh. And so but so while you're in this limbo, you figured you'd get out of the cold for a bit and somewhere yeah, warmer. Yeah, I see no reason
2: <laughs> to suffer.
1: <laughs> is, is South Africa warm? I guess it's summer over there now. Yeah, so it'll be there it'll summer, be so right. it'll be nice. good. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. I've got a buddy and
0: in South Africa, you should guys should connect. For yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, he was on, he was on the podcast also. Uh, Yoel Hale. You can listen. Is to he it. down
1: in South Africa now?
0: Yeah, he's in oh, South very Africa. Cool.
1: Yeah, I can put Great. you guys in touch. Uh, you, what's the? You have like a project you're doing down there?
2: Uh, well, what I decided to do is I just couldn't decide what where to go. Um, <laughs> for the last two years, it's always been very clear to me that I wanted to go to Asia and see as much of it as possible. And of course, I could happily go back there again. But then I thought to myself would I really be satisfied if I don't kind of challenge myself and go somewhere new? Because at this point, Asia's, Asia's easy for me. So, um, I decided to ask my newsletter subscribers to tell me, Hey, what, what do you want to read about? Where do you want to go in 2015? And then based on my newsletter subscribers responses, I put together a poll and then put that out on my blog to all the readers so that they could vote on what they wanted to read about. So
0: on That's there we awesome.
2: had um, Myanmar, Nicaragua, Chile, South Africa, and New Zealand. And um, got a lot of votes, and South Africa won, um, but Chile and Myanmar were very close seconds, and for a while it was looking like it might be Myanmar, and I was thinking, wow, I might actually go back to Southeast Asia. Yeah, yeah. But I'm actually really excited to be exploring someone new, somewhere new. I mean, the African continent has long intrigued me, so I'm happy to go somewhere where I do know some people first. Yeah. And then from there, maybe branch out and explore new things. I mean, I am still kind of solo female traveler, and right. so I right. think it'll be good to show that this is a destination that you can travel to by yourself safely. Cool. I think I there's, there's a lot of be... misconceptions. Gotcha. I think
1: that would be awesome to like read about. Actually, it's inspiring. Uh, to me, uh, hey listeners, if you what's a place you want to hear a podcast about? We could probably I could go there. We can find a guest who's been there. So if you listeners have any place you want to hear about, shoot us an email. At- podcast at gmail.com I'm gonna take a page out of your book, Kristen. Okay,
2: I just charge a ten percent finder's fee. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Can you do seven percent?
2: Are we negotiating? Are we now? negotiating yeah, we're negotiating. <laughs> Why? Should have trademarked it. <laughs> I think
1: that's. I think that's a really cool idea, though. Like, um, you got a little. You get a little bit of, um, you know, outside inspiration of where to go, and then you're getting to explore a new place, and then give. Uh, your readers information that you know they they want to see
0: right Um,
1: so yeah I think that's really cool and so how long are you going to be out there do you know or just kind of winging it
2: well I bought a one-way ticket but I'm kind of thinking it would be really like I really do want to come back like Berlin has started to feel like home and I have friend Mm. groups here and I don't want to be the friend who's never around and Uh, so it would be really nice to come back and explore more of Europe and Kind of see the spring and this, and I loved the summer last year, and so it would be great to maybe be there for three months, not just South Africa, but some of the surrounding countries as well.
1: Right. And then
2: to come back maybe in early April and kind of try to stick around for the most part and explore more of, of Europe.
0: Cool.
1: So this is probably like a terrible question to ask someone who's a, a serial traveler as I I'm in the kind of a similar boat, but (laughs) it sounds as you never really know what your plans are, so to speak, but it sounds like you've got like a base over there in Berlin and you kind of you'll take taking trips out for a few months at a time and then kind of coming back to what's become your home. Is that kind of like where you're at now?
2: I would love to do that because after two years of being a complete proper nomad and not having any home Mm -hmm. base other than my backpack, I loved it and it you know but once it got to the point where I started to feel tired I Mm. thought well then now's the time to find a place that you like and stay there for a bit and then Mm. and then when you feel like being a nomad again do that again and I don't think my I don't think my readers are readers are bothered and yeah I'm happy with it and so I think for the time being, it feels like a good place to, to have a home base, but as you know, I mean, no, there are never any plans and it's silly to make exactly. any because everyone changes their mind and I, I think most people with a five-year plan, it doesn't end up that way in five years. So. <laughs> right.
1: No, I mean, I'm in like a similar, very similar place to you, so I totally can relate to all that. Um, it may, and that makes sense for sure. <laughs> very cool. Um, well, well, Kristen, I guess we'll ask you uh, one more question. Uh, before we, we let you go. Um, and it's the question we ask all of our guests at the end of the show, and what we want to know from you is, what's something you'd like to do in your life that you haven't already done before you kick the bucket?
2: Well, I have never traveled in South America at all, so I would love to do a nice long trip through there and then finish with a, a trip over to Antarctica. That would be amazing
0: sweet awesome, awesome.
2: Yeah. i mean if i'm really shooting for the moon i would say i'd love to go on the moon i would love to feel weightless <laughs> and see the world from that perspective i think that would be so humbling and amazing but yeah i don't know if that'll be affordable in my lifetime yeah. so if not antarctica is cool with me too yeah. yeah it'll
1: be an option in our lifetimes yeah, for sure definitely. yeah affordable is a different question yeah i mean it already I, is so yeah do people go know.
2: do they have Trips
1: to the moon?
0: Not, not yet. But they were trying to do a manned. Uh, they actually have people who bought tickets on like Virgin, uh, Intergalactic. I forgot the name of it. Um, and uh, the problem is that they got. I think they went for like, hundred thousand, half a million dollars each, or something like that. But well, half Holy a million shit. for like the first two, like I think for a seat on the first trip or something. And then after that, yeah. it'll be more affordable. But, so it's slightly outside
1: of the uh, backpacker's <laughs> budget. <laughs> slightly, uh,
0: but they uh, they actually got put back a couple months because they had uh, uh, one of their sh- their space shuttles. They bought some old Russian shuttle as a experimental unit, and it blew up. So, uh-huh. um, uh, so a couple. Don't worry, you got yeah, more time to wait. Technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, nobody yeah. nobody was harmed. It was. I if it
1: was, is affordable at some point, though, that would be such a cool experience. Like uh, you know. Uh, To see like you're, I think you were getting this, Kristen, like right to see the Earth from the outside, and like I've heard, uh, I've read some stuff online about astronauts describing the experience where they just look at the Earth and they're like, oh, there's no borders there. It's just like we're just this rock, and we're all, you know, a very humbling kind of experience. I think it, you know, would be like you said.
2: Yeah, Carl Sagan, the pale blue dot. That's one of my favorites. Ooh, what is that? Um, Carl Sagan. Oh yeah yeah.
1: Yeah. Is this a, a book he he wrote or?
2: All I know is the quote, but just kind oh, of what saying was the, that when you think about how small we are and you know how, how minuscule we really all are, it kind of breaks everything down and makes you realize how, how unimportant every little thing mm. that happens is and how silly all of the, the wars and disagreements and all of those things are because we really are just a speck yeah. in time in you know this yeah. kind of unimaginable universe of vastness and so when you think of it that way for me it actually it's incredibly humbling it's kind of like well then i can do anything because yeah. it's not really gonna matter
0: <laughs>
1: yeah i yeah spot on mm-hmm. <laughs> i uh, f- yeah find that carl sagan quote in full that's definitely uh, it sounds like a good one <laughs> cool. yeah i can send it to you awesome. yeah that'd be perfect i i totally relate to that, too. I think, you know, there's a common sentiment you get as, like, a traveler, though. When you... I don't know. It really does sort of... For me, at least, the experience of traveling has really shifted my perspectives significantly. Well, I don't know. Maybe I've had some of the same beliefs, but I can... I more really
2: understand them now in a way that I didn't before. You know, and so... Right. I think it lets you be who you've always been without the yeah. influence of all of the things that you had in your old life, like family, friends, jobs, obligations. When you have the freedom to discover who you really are, yeah. that's what traveling can do.
1: It's right. true. Right. It's kind of like liberating in a lot of ways because I'm, when I'm out there backpacking, you know, I meet a group of people for the first time and I can be whoever I want to be. I can be the best version of me from square one. Um, and it's, what's interesting is coming home, it's, you know, I'm seeing people that have known me for a really long time. And mm-hmm. so they might remember me, for example, as like a different person than I am today. Um, and which is okay. Like it's, this part of like having long-term relationships as part of the process. Um, but it's, you know, you still have to like, um, you don't have that necessarily freedom to just start off as like, Hey, I am the, I, you can just be the best person, you know? Right. Uh, maybe you can actually, I can just be the, be the best version of me anyway. And, uh, (laughs) I
0: think so. I think you've I think Mike, you've done, you've, you've done very well doing that just from my secondhand experience.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Good sir. (laughs) Um,
0: but, but yeah, I, I totally under, I, I see what you're saying. So like when you're away and you're by yourself, you go back to, I don't know, homeostasis, I guess. Is that the right word where you're, you get back to the core of who you are because no, you don't have anything to prove to anybody or, or mm. no influence, no past influence, no past influences, no environments are, you know, the same. Yeah. It's just. You can be completely free know. and open yeah. and
1: allow yourself to be different in yeah. a, you know, very radical ways. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you had a similar experience. Yeah. Kristen.
2: Well, I think that everyone is in that boat, which is really nice. And so for me, it just helped me to realize that a simple life is really nice. And, mm. you know, coming from a place where people really prioritize things like how much money you have, how much influence you have, what you look like. When you go to a place where you can see that people are just happy to have the clothes they're wearing on their back, you can right. kind of understand how frivolous all of those needs, not even needs, all those desires were. Right. And then it breaks down the real fundamentals of what makes a person happy and it's not what you have um materially materialistically it's it's what you have kind of to offer other people as far yes. as compassion and, yeah. and ideas and I think it made me a more patient person, a more compassionate person and that's been game that's been a game changer
1: right
2: yeah definitely relate to that um
1: Travel's good. (laughs) Travel's
2: good. (laughs) Love
1: thy neighbor. Travel's awesome. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We should make
0: a make a catchphrase, Mike. Travel's good. You know, one word. Yeah. (laughs) Travel's S Travel with an S and good.
1: That sentiment that, you know, Kristen that you're expressing is something very common, I think. People who travel tend to come to the same conclusions of that, yeah, we what is what's this about? Well, it's about being compassionate to our fellow human beings. Um, and yeah, I think that's some very common thing that that people who go out traveling for a long time really come to that conclusion, you know.
2: Yeah, and it's yeah. amazing how good that can be for yourself to develop that yes. compassion. It just takes a lot of anger out, and that's just, yeah. just stress levels go down, and that's important. Hmm. It's
1: good all around. Good for you. Good for your friends. Good for the world. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Definitely. that's is a good note I'd say to close it out. Um, thanks. Thanks, Kristen, for coming on the show.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, so folks can find you. Uh, Your website is BeMyTravelMuse.com. Do you also have like Facebook and Twitter, all that good stuff?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's Facebook slash BeMyTravelMuse. My Twitter handle is also BeMyTravelMuse. And definitely check out my Instagram. I mean, every place that I've been has been chronicled on there. So
1: Okay, sweet. Awesome.
2: it's a good way to kind of see where I am in the Visual world now form. and to follow the journey if you want to. Cool.
1: Yeah, awesome, yeah, and uh, what I will do as always is I will compile all the links to the ways to find you, all your websites and social media links, and I will include that on the uh, blog post that goes along with this episode. And as always, that can be found at WTEPodcast.com.
0: Yes, awesome. And-
1: uh but yeah, thank you again Kristen for coming on the show. Uh yeah, really enjoyed this conversation.
0: Yeah. All right, that...
2: likewise. It was a pleasure.
0: Thank yeah. you. And we and we'll we look forward to hearing about your adventures in South Africa.
2: For sure. Those will be all, <laughs> all over the blog and my social media accounts.
0: Awesome. awesome. All right, well everyone, thanks for listening to Walking the Earth podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Take care next time on Walking the Earth podcast Mike and I sit down and have a conversation with Leon Logothetis who is an Englishman and former stockbroker from England that decided after watching the motorcycle diaries to quit his job buy a motorcycle and travel around the world without any money only taking the donations from others out of the kindness of their heart Um, several TV shows and documentaries have been made about him and now he's got his new book the Kindness Diaries, which talks about his journey around the world. So it's a very interesting conversation. Check it out next time at WTEpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Stitcher, on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at WTE Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care.